0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
0: The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit CDC.gov. Maple
1: Avenue, possible stroke victim.
2: When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs, act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke.
3: Good evening, good evening, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. This is a special edition. I thought this was a great topic to talk about. It's National Stroke Awareness Month. I just want to let you know you can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, you can check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I would love to hear from you. Leave me a comment, anything, question. You can also email me, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. So, tonight I have a wonderful guest, Dr. Carolyn Brockington. She is the director of the Stroke Center at Mount Sinai St. Luke's and Mount Sinai West Hospital in New York City. She is a board certified by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology and has a subspecialty board certification in vascular neurology. She works with Amer- the American Stroke Association as a volunteer medical person regarding a campaign to increase stroke awareness and highlight, highlight prevention strategies particularly in young adults. She was named one of New York's best doctors by New York Magazine in 2003 and has written several articles about stroke-related issues. Good evening, Dr. Brockington. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I know you are on call. You are a doctor. I am. I'm in in the hospital hospital on call. (laughs) Yes. So everybody pay attention. Her time is important, okay? So. (laughs) I just played the PSA about strokes, and one of the things the person said in the PSA was 60 minutes. Is that a true number, 60 minutes, in order for you to get to the hospital to get some help?
1: Well, uh, what we say in stroke treatment is that time is brain. And the reason is is because we we all know that stroke means that not enough blood gets to the brain in a certain period of time and causes an injury to the brain. So although everybody's brain is wonderful, the one problem is our brains don't grow back right after they're injured. So you might cut yourself, Mm. your skin grows back, but you injure your brain, it does not. So if people don't come in right away, the time for us to intervene to reduce any significant injury to the brain is limited. So every moment that goes by that the brain's not getting enough blood flow, we know that approximately 1.9 million brain cells die and do not recover, right? So every moment oh that goes by, gosh. that you have symptoms and they're not getting enough blood flow, you're getting a bigger and bigger area of the brain that may be irreversibly injured and therefore many people can be left significantly disabled. So that's why it's very important and this month, May Stroke Awareness Month, is the reason why the American Stroke Association uh, is the word that people should know what is a stroke, what to do about it, and more importantly, how to prevent it, but yes, It's very important to come into the hospital right away because, again, time is brain, and every moment that goes by uh, can cause a significant uh, brain injury. So we want people to know the signs and symptoms of stroke. And you probably know that the American Stroke Association has this acronym so that people can remember some signs and symptoms of stroke, and that's ACT FAST, right, Mm F-A-S-T. So if you think of the word. Fast F is for face. If suddenly someone's face is drooping on one side, then maybe that might be a stroke. They should go to the hospital. If somebody's A is for arm, if you outstretch your arm or try to hold up your arms and only one arm comes up and the other one keeps falling, that might be a stroke. S is for speech. Sometimes people have difficulty speaking with, uh, they may even sound, drunk or that they're having difficulty communicating, that might be a stroke. And, again, T is for time. It's time to call 911 and go to the closest hospital. You know, during these ages, everybody looks on their cell phone and wants to Google and call a friend, et cetera. With stroke, you don't have time, don't have time to do time that. that. You really have to call no. 911 because you every probably realize that in the – I'm sorry?
3: Oh, I was just going to say every 40 seconds, according to the um, CDC – Someone has a stroke in the United States, and about 795,000 people in the United States have strokes each year. So it's extremely important um, to know about this. You may not know somebody, but you could be around someone. I was at a workplace, and a person that I worked with had a stroke. I was talking to them earlier in the day, and I saw them. They came from the restroom, and all of a sudden, they slid down the wall. They were leaning on the wall and they just slid down the wall. And I was like, are you okay? Like, like they were just sitting there and I, I, I was like, oh my God. And that's what came to my mind. Thankfully, cause I work around different healthcare, you know, doctors and nurses, social workers. So I was like, this is important. So I called one of the medical directors and they thankfully were there and able to, you know, check the guy out and get an ambulance and
1: everything. But, um, if you don't know, no, you what's probably save their I mean, brain considerably because, you know, stroke again is not enough blood getting to the brain, and the symptoms are going to occur over seconds to minutes, not over uh, days and months. It's almost like turning off the light switch, right? Suddenly the brain doesn't get enough blood flow, and people are going to have symptoms. So we know that primarily the left side of the brain controls the right side of the body and the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body. So let's say you're not getting enough blood flow to the left side of the brain, someone might develop weakness on their right face, they might not be able to move their right arm, their leg might become all of a sudden limp or no weak, no strength at all. They might have trouble speaking, they might have trouble with vision. So again, the symptoms are sudden and typically involve one side of the body. But you should call 911 because in the United States, Uh, 911 or EMS is mandated to take a patient who's having stroke symptoms to the closest hospital with a stroke center, and what that means is basically a stroke team that is designated and capable of dealing with patients coming in with stroke uh, effectively because the hour time yeah. period that was noted earlier on had to do with there's a lot of things that we need to do in order to make the diagnosis of stroke when someone comes into the ER, and we need to do it fairly quickly because, again, right, we want right. to give the treatment that is available as fast as possible to limit any uh, long-term side effects. Now, there are different types of strokes. Could you explain the different types of strokes yeah, they're basically two different types of strokes. So, the majority or 80% of the time, they're called ischemic. Ischemia or ischemic just means reduction in blood flow. So, again, if you okay. think an artery becomes narrow, arteries are almost like pipes or plumbing, right? Like the pipes have to be mm-hmm. open. So, suddenly okay. that artery becomes narrowed either because it's narrow from plaque or from a blood clot, et cetera, doesn't give enough blood flow to the brain, and that causes the stroke. And stroke just means injury. So that's 80% of the time versus 20% of the time they are hemorrhagic. Hemorrhage or hemorrhagic just means bleeding. So in that case a blood brush a blood vessel ruptures or suddenly spills open and blood is spilling everywhere. So both produce symptoms suddenly and you do not know the difference between an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke at home. All you'll notice are the symptoms right so the so one right. thing about stroke that's very important is that some people say oh take an aspirin right away but for stroke we do not say that and the reason is this aspirin is a very good blood thinner so if you take an aspirin and you have an ischemic stroke that might be helpful right but if you take an aspirin and you have a hemorrhagic stroke meaning a bleeding stroke and aspirin blood thinner, them can make things worse right so the best wow. thing is not so to teach yourself at that, home you and know. wonder what's going on. Right, You don't know until you come into the hospital and we're able to take a picture of the brain to tell the difference. So that's very important.
3: acceptable who's,
1: so who's more susceptible to getting strokes?
3: Is it young people, old people? Is it people yeah. who have other conditions?
1: Who's that's more a great question. Yeah, that's a great question because I think one of the common myths of stroke is that people think, oh, if I'm not old, I don't have to worry about it. or I'm not 80 or older, then, you know, it's no problem. But actually, strokes can occur at any age because, again, stroke is just an interruption of blood flow to the brain. And although the incidence or the number of strokes increases, people get older because some of the medical conditions that we associate with stroke obviously increase. It doesn't mean that you can't have a stroke if you're younger. In fact, uh, two days ago I saw somebody in the emergency room who had a stroke and she was 25 years old, still in the hospital with me now. So just because you're young doesn't mean that you can't have a stroke. There are many different reasons why. So again, the important thing is to know the signs and symptoms of stroke so that if you or someone you love or a friend or a family member or acquaintance is developing symptoms of stroke, you know right away this is a problem, let me call 911 so they get the prompt uh, attention that the, that is required. Now, before we came on the show tonight, we were talking
3: about um, this, this coronavirus and strokes and young people.
1: Talk to the audience about those three things and how they're connected. Yeah, it's very interesting because obviously we're still learning about this COVID-19 and all the manifestations, but what we've seen nationwide is that, number one, the number of patients coming in with strokes and heart attacks have increased in association with COVID infections. But also, there appears to be a subgroup of patients that are younger that have no traditional risk factors high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, uh, obesity, et cetera that are coming in with strokes and large strokes. So, and I'm talking when I say younger, I mean ages 25 to 49 coming in with significant strokes in the setting of COVID infection and again nobody quite knows why but there must be something about the virus that is creating uh, a a rapid inflammatory response that may induce or produce uh, blood clotting effects that the clots go to sometimes the lung causing a problem sometimes the brain causing stroke or sometimes the heart causing a heart attack So it's very important, again, not just that we know that strokes occur at any age without COVID, but now we're seeing patients come in, younger patients that don't have traditional risk factors, coming in with a large stroke. So um, it's very important to to highlight that.
3: Now, what can we do to prevent it? Is there anything we can do to prevent having a stroke?
1: Well, the good news is, since we've been talking about stroke, everybody's saying, well, oh, now what can I do about it? The very good news is that, 80% of strokes can be prevented and you might say how and the simple 80%. answer is 80%, 80%, percent, 80% you said. That's a lot. which is okay. a lot of we yes. have to do something specific and so the your listeners and everybody need to partner with their doctors because the key is to identify what are your risk factors and modify them appropriately meaning that um, high blood pressure or hypertension is the number one reason why people have strokes and heart attacks and so if you have high blood pressure, it's important, number one, to identify but then number two, to be able to control it, not just today, tomorrow, but the rest of your life. Because being well controlled with high blood pressure can significantly reduce the risk of stroke uh, over your lifetime. So if you have high blood pressure, it's important to control it. Another risk factor is diabetes. Sometimes people have very elevated sugar in their blood. And that sugar can corrode the blood vessels and cause problems and narrowing of the blood vessels that then can result in stroke and heart heart attacks or heart disease. So if you have diabetes, you need to control it. So again, the short answer to stroke prevention is to partner with your doctor, identify what your own risk factors are, and be able to modify them appropriately. And that's typically done with lifestyle changes, right? Healthy diet, which we all know, exercise or activity. Mm -hmm. And sometimes right. people require medication in order to control them. But the first step is to realize, do I have a problem? Do I have a risk factor? And what can I do about them? You know, there's some risk no. factors that we say that we can't change, right? So age as we mm-hmm. get older, genetics as well as um, uh, race, and then men versus female. But there are risk factors that we can modify, and that's high blood pressure, diabetes, elevated cholesterol, obesity, heart disease, smoking, et cetera, So there's a lot that can be done. Again, 80% of strokes to be prevented is quite a substantial number.
3: Now, what about this 10,000 steps? Does 10,000 steps help? Is is that something that can make an impact, or is that just like,
1: eh, maybe, maybe not? I, I don't know. No, absolutely, because we know activity is very important in order to maintain what we call the integrity of the vascular system. So you probably know that arteries, which are blood vessels that bring blood towards certain organs, so either the brain or the heart or other organs that all arteries have muscle layers around them because they have to constrict and dilate, meaning they're constantly moving to push blood through the body. So those muscles have to be exercised just like muscles in your legs or muscles in any part of your body. So if you're active, obviously those blood vessels are moving constantly and the muscles remain good. But if you sort of stay around and are less active or just sit around and just exercise your thumb, right, with a remote control, that's not a lot of activity (laughs) to those blood vessels. And And they become flabby, right, and blood vessels that are flabby are never good because blood can clot in those areas, and that's another uh, reason why people develop stroke and heart disease. So the 10,000 steps um, based on everybody's activity level is important because it gives us an idea or a hint every day to be active, right? So, for instance, in the hospital, instead of taking the elevator all the time, I take the steps, Uh, You know, instead of going to the store and driving, you might just walk to the store, certainly now with a mask and everything, but to maybe change your lifestyle a little bit so that you realize what your activity level is and how you can improve it slowly over time.
3: Now, if you have a stroke, can you have another one? And how, how soon would you have another one?
1: Well, how soon is sort of difficult to predict because it depends on the type of stroke, but we know that people who have strokes or heart attacks or obviously at greater risk of developing uh, another stroke in their lifetime. So we say after a stroke or heart attack, uh, as many as one in four survivors will have another one. And so the key for what we call secondary stroke prevention, meaning after someone's had a stroke or TIA, which we can talk about, is to again identify the reason why someone has a stroke. So for instance, if someone had a stroke because one of the arteries supplying the brain is narrow, we need to fix that in order to reduce their risk of having another stroke. Again, if they have high blood pressure, we need to control that better to make sure that they don't have another stroke. So the key to prevention, both for primary prevention, meaning before someone has a stroke, or secondary prevention after, is to identify what your risk factors are and modify them. You know, prevention doesn't get as much... Uh, acknowledgement as it should be but prevention is very powerful in terms of reducing not only the risk of stroke but other medical conditions so we all know that health is not promised to us but there are certain things that we can do to improve our health on a daily basis Uh, That will mean that our brain and the rest of our body remains healthy for a long time. So it's important, again, to partner with your doctor to identify the reason why you have the stroke and determine what are the appropriate strategies in order to reduce the risk of stroke and make sure those risk factors are controlled long term.
3: Now, is there a special medicine? I know we talked about medicine for for diabetes and for high blood pressure, but is there a certain medicine you could take if you have a stroke and how long do you have to take it is, is it for the rest of your life that you would have to take medicines?
1: Well, I mean, there's two parts to the answer. Once, one, the reason why we want people to come in right away when they're having a stroke is because one of the therapies that we give that is FDA-approved is a thrombolytic. Thrombus is lytic to break up. So the medication is called TPA, and it's given in selected patients with stroke, and we give that intravenously in the emergency room. Um, and uh, that is to promote better blood flow to the brain and hopefully limit the degree of injury acutely, meaning as it's happening. But in terms of prevention strategies as you're talking about, there's a lot of different medicines that we use, but you know aspirin is a fairly common medicine for secondary stroke prevention therapy. So we all don't think of aspirin as, as anything big, but aspirin is actually a very good drug for blood thinning, And we use it a lot, again, in secondary stroke prevention. So it's not for everybody, but the important thing is to partner with your doctor to find out what type of medicines are necessary to uh, control and reduce the risk of a subsequent stroke. And so the American Stroke Association has partnered with Bayer uh, that makes aspirin because we know that aspirin is a good secondary stroke prevention regimen. But there are other medications as well as other therapies that are important as well that uh, need to be made on an individual basis, but again it's so it's so it certainly highlights the need to have a close relationship with your doctor. And I might say that now during this talking, time Yeah. You were talking uh, to the hospital, hospital, about yeah, yes, for noticed,
3: not being good not being good oh, for yeah. certain strokes. But now we're saying it's okay to take after.
1: Well this is the thing, I wanna make sure that I'm being clear. I'm saying that if someone develops stroke symptoms at home They do not know whether they're having a stroke because a blood vessel is blocked or because a blood vessel ruptured or opened and allowed blood to spill in the brain. So to take a blood thinner at home without knowing either or whether you're having a stroke from either mechanism is not a good idea. But when we say asking for secondary stroke prevention treatment, we mean after someone has been evaluated for a stroke, we know the type of stroke they have, and what they require that many times aspirin is used to reduce the risk of a stroke happening in the future. So not the moment that someone's having a stroke, but we're talking about secondary stroke prevention in terms of the future care for stroke. Okay. okay. Is that clear That's, I just, or just wanted or to not? make sure.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. I just want, because you know how people hear stuff and then, well, i heard <laughs> on such and such and then you can uh, do yeah. this and that, and I don't want that to be the case. So, you know, Absolutely. I just want people to have it clear. And also let, let's repeat about this, about the FAST. So if somebody's face is drooping on one side, that's something we want to check out. It's uh, Ask the person to smile, according to the American Heart Association. Um, if their arm, have, they have weakness in one arm, if it's, uh, does one arm drift downward if they're trying to raise both of them? Uh, speech difficulty. Is the speech slurring? Are they unable to speak? Are they hard to understand? Um, it says ask the person to repeat a simple sentence like the sky is blue, and is that sentence repeated correctly, and then call 911. And like you said, time is of the essence because you're losing brain cells uh, every minute every that, minute goes, that by. goes by.
1: Yeah, 1.9 million, and that's a lot of neurons, right? That's a lot of brain cells that won't grow back. So it's very, very important right, exactly. to call 911 right away, and they will take you to the closest hospital that has a stroke center. So that's very, very important. And what's interesting and is what that during this time. For, right? at, you want well, to right? You to the So ambulance. you say, I'm having a stroke, yeah. and they're mandated to do that. But you know, what's interesting in this time of COVID is that. Initially when the crisis developed, uh, particularly we saw in New York that a lot of patients weren't coming into the hospital. All of a sudden stroke, we didn't see strokes, we didn't see heart attacks, we didn't see anything else but COVID coming in. And and a lot of people were fearing that people were staying home with these very serious conditions because obviously they were fearful about being exposed to COVID. So I just wanna make sure that people understand that even though there's a COVID crisis now and we're hoping that things are going to resolve over time, it's very important that if you have a medical emergency that you still call 911 and go to the emergency room because ERs across the country uh, have protocols in place to keep people safe from exposure to COVID. But if you're having an emergency, do not stay home. You need to call 911 immediately to come in to be evaluated appropriately.
3: Now, um, you're in New York. You're in the epicenter, and uh, we were talking earlier about not – something negative, but something happy that they do at your hospital. Can you talk to the audience about what they do there?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of hospitals are doing the same thing. But at my hospital, what we've been doing recently is that when patients are being released with COVID, so they're being discharged, what happens is over the loudspeaker they play, here comes the sun. (laughs) And so we all know, oh, another patient's going home. Uh, that was discharged successfully with COVID and on a good day you hear it a lot of times so we it's a way to acknowledge number one that uh, the good works that are happening not only in my hospital but across the country in terms of people really stepping up and treating uh, patients and seeing success stories but then two to acknowledge to the patient you know that they've come through a difficult time but yet they've come through well and they're able to now see their, their family and friends so it's a way of a reminder as well as a uh, flag to to get us to keep going forward in terms of promoting health and making sure people are doing well.
3: Now, how did you get interested in working with strokes? I mean, this is something that interests you. You've written papers about it. Where did that interest come, come from?
1: Yeah, the I short so. end of the story is that when uh, I was a neurology resident, it uh, was uh, one of the first clinical studies to show This TPA that I mentioned before, this blood clotting medication that we give in the emergency room, was effective in terms of treatment of stroke. And the studies showed that people who were treated with the medication were uh, at a significant advantage in terms of uh, improving their symptoms as well as having minimal or no disability after the stroke. And so it was important because this was the first treatment ever that was able to show some effectiveness in stroke prior to that time. Although people had strokes, there weren't any treatment to treat them acutely when they came in. So it was really a significant change in terms of therapeutics and how we do things. So now, um, you know, fast forward to 2020, we have a lot of different modalities or way to treat strokes. So not just to give the blood thinners, but we can even go into the blood vessels of the brain and pull out a clot if we need to um, in certain strokes that improve the... uh, the symptoms that uh, happen from stroke acutely so that's why it's so important to come in because none of these therapies obviously can be given at home and two again we said time is brain so the faster we can get to patients the more effective those treatments are and the more likely somebody will be able to go home with minimal or no deficits. so it's very very important
3: that's really amazing um the advancements in technology and that but still, we're focusing on these simple things in time. Time is still of the essence. We haven't beat right. time unless we have, I guess, a hospital on every corner. <laughs> where Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have a church. We have, we have bars in every corner, but we don't have hospitals in every corner. Okay. And, you know, I'm thinking about people that live maybe in rural areas, Uh, You know, they're further away from hospitals. um, And so what
1: we've been doing with stroke is a lot there with hospitals that don't necessarily have all the bells and whistles that a lot of the big hospitals have, that we've established a lot of telemedicine or telestroke. And so what that means is that the ER physician would still be able to treat that patient, but they'd call Mm -hmm. a vascular neurologist or someone who has a specialty in stroke and be able to talk to that doctor. And that doctor would be able to see the patient, see the imaging, and help the ER doctor or the uh, emergency room doctor make make the appropriate decisions regarding treatment. So even though there might not be a stroke on every corner, most hospitals have the capacity to reach out to specialists in order to help care for the uh, patients who come in. So it doesn't mean that people should stay home. They should always seek medical attention.
3: That's a really big thing now, telehealth, and even calling for other health issues because now people are, you know, in, in-house um, that they uh, can call their primary care physician, like you said, about things, and it's so important to use that. Don't think because you're in the middle of this COVID thing that you can't reach out to your doctor. A lot of health plans are making it, you know, accessible through either a call, through video, um, so I don't, like, stay home because, like you were saying, you're like, we're not seeing any strokes. Where is everybody? Right. Not that you want people to have strokes.
1: Right, we don't but want you people want to them have to come in. No, 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 but you want yes. them to come into the appropriate place if they're having them. So, but what you said, yes. I want to echo that, number one, in terms of somebody coming into the emergency room, telestroke or telehealth is used a lot. And two, we're, we're doing that more in terms of appointments. So I had several tele-video visits today with some patients that I had treated in the past to make sure they're doing well. So even though they can't come to see me right now because of the COVID crisis, we're still able to communicate and talk to each other and decide on what treatments they should be on, how are their medications working, etc. So it's very important for everybody to contact their doctors to see whether they can arrange a telehealth visit as well, particularly during this time.
3: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Carolyn Brockington, for coming on today. I know you were on call, but somehow nobody
1: reached out to you. Yay. Yeah, yes. it's, isn't that great? Yeah, and now since you said it, now a million people probably now. I jinxed you. I'm sorry. Okay, yes. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to well, just say that I wanted to thank you for allowing me to uh, talk with your listeners today. I think it's a very important topic, and I hope people got important information. The other thing is that the American Stroke Association has a website if people want more information on stroke, what a stroke is, what to do if you're having a stroke, and most importantly, how to prevent one. And that website is stroke.org slash one is enough. And one is uh, the, the word one. So, again, stroke.org slash one is enough.
3: Excellent, excellent.
1: Again, thank you so much for coming
3: on tonight. And be safe and stay healthy. And remember, everybody wash their hands.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and wear a mask. Yes, and wear masks. Yeah. <laughs>
3: All right. I will talk to you later.
1: Thank, Thank you. you. Be well, everyone. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye.
3: Thank you everybody for tuning in. This is Joy Keys. You can follow me on at Joy Keys and Twitter. Uh Saturday mornings with Joy Keys on Facebook and Saturdays with Joy Keys on Instagram. I really appreciate your support and even when I was away I was on a bit of a hiatus. Uh you guys were still downloading things. So I thank you, thank you, and thank you. Uh, over a million downloads of different shows. Again, thank you. You guys have a wonderful evening. Stay safe. And uh, remember, fast for stroke, recognizing strokes.
2: So you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke.
0: The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. ChumbaCasino.com. No necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and
3: conditions apply. See website for details.